Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. I'm waiting for it to come back. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Let's try that again. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. The chaos of holiday season is among us. Uh, this morning, I missed an email. Uh, my fault. I uh, zoomed to the meeting from my office and then realized that I was supposed to be here at C Spire. So we are coming to you live this morning from C Spire. I uh, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, Phil is starting into a mini series this week, as he often does at Christmas time, uh, about a uh, Christmas series. And this year will be a little different uh, in that we will be in the wilderness for Christmas. We can't seem to get out of this dead gum wilderness, but uh, one day we will. One day we will. So I'm reminded, uh, as I was coming in this morning, uh, title of a song was Home. Just curious, where's home for you? During this holiday season, I know Phil has used several times in the past, the uh, military videos of soldiers returning home. So where's home for you? when you're in the wilderness. Phil also did a series sometime back on uh, reality and idealism. In the holiday season, it's often easy to get wrapped up in ideal, but the wilderness and being in the wilderness reminds us of what is real. So I just wanna challenge you over the next two or three weeks. Um, where's home for you? Where's home? Me up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. But Lord, during this time of year, we thank you so much for your birth, for your entrance into this world, into this wilderness. We know from reading your word that you walked the very walk that we walk. You know the feelings we feel. You're there with us in the wilderness. If we just have eyes to see you and ears to hear you, you're with us. Our prayer this morning is that you would be with us now as we gather here remotely through Zoom and even through recordings. You touch each man's heart. Expose him to home, Lord. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Joe. It is great uh, to be back at C Spire uh, this morning. I was telling Jeff I had uh, very mixed feelings about being at C Spire. One is uh, just great to be back here, but it's kind of sad that we can't all be in the room and uh, be back um, to normal. Uh, so we're all chasing normal, uh, but um, it is good to be here and. Um, Starting into our uh, December uh, time, of course, uh, wanted to do a, a series on Christmas, and we'll kind of stay with this idea of the wilderness, uh, Joe, as you mentioned, Christmas in the wilderness. And so we'll um, be able to have three sessions. Today's the third, uh, the 10th, the 17th, uh, and uh, four weeks from today is, um, or see, three weeks from today is Christmas Eve. Uh, so we will not meet on Christmas Eve, and we will not meet the following week. So we'll take two weeks off, and then we'll meet the first Thursday 
in January. So um, Christmas. Several years ago, I've told you this story before, but Howard Hendricks, the teaching mentor of mine, said, if you think you look silly sitting on a white horse, you'll never lead a cavalry charge. And uh, I remember hearing that um, as a young believer, and it excited me, and it also disrupted me because um, I really identified with sitting on the white horse. I've always seen myself as a leader of sorts and, and been put in leadership positions. But the early part of my adult life, I felt continually uncomfortable uh, riding on that white horse. I would get on the white horse and then the anxiety would kick in and, and, I, and uh, I would just be fearful. Um, and so it's been a journey of mine to grow uh, into feeling comfortable sitting on the white horse. And this morning, I want to offer you a song, and, it, and the title of the song is White Horse. I'd never heard this song, and I stumbled onto it this week, and it's, and it's by a group that I've never heard of, uh, the group Over the Ryan. But I just wanted to read to you um, um, uh, the middle part of the song, uh, the idea of a white horse at Christmas. And, of course, white horse comes out of revelation that Jesus will come in his return riding on a white horse. And there's a whole lot more about my story that, that many of you know about the, the, the way that I identify with a uh, white horse. But white horse um, certainly brings us images of Jesus from revelation. Middle of the song. Bring me a white horse for Christmas. We'll ride him through the snow all the way to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. I want to speak with the angel who said, do not be afraid. I want to kneel where the oxen knelt, where the little child was laid. White horse, may you hear the voice of God, and may you prepare hearts this morning for what he has for us. White horse. Bring me
Amen. Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Um, Christmas in the wilderness. Follow with me um, as I read our introduction. And this is different than uh, what we've been doing. Um, and uh, these next uh, three weeks, um, the introduction will be different each week because we're going to go through the life of Jesus. Um, Christmas is about Jesus, of course, but three scenes in the life of Jesus uh, that we'll cover um, today is uh, his incarnation, his birth. Uh, next week, uh, we'll cover uh, the temptation of Jesus, where he really truly is in the wilderness. Um, and then the week before Christmas will be um, Jesus truly in the wilderness on the cross in his resurrection. Um, Jesus in the wilderness. And uh, I ran across, uh, this is really a quote um, that really stunned me. Um, so this is our introduction. Christmas in the wilderness, seeing Jesus in this season. A commando in enemy territory. Use your imagination. R.R. Reno, uh, who wrote the book Christmas Draws Near, says this, quote, In my mind's eye, I see a single commando tumbling out of the Bombay, uh, Bombay doors of a B-52 at 30,000 feet. He falls silently in the midnight darkness into enemy territory. Satan sleeps, not knowing that he will organize a rebellion. The empire of sin will fall, not from without, but from within like a commando severely hurt as he landed from far above, who has no apparent capacity to mount an effective action, or for that matter, any action at all, the powerless infant turns his face to ours and makes what in that obscure stable seems like a crazy, impossible demand. Join me. An amazing imagery that somehow Jesus coming to earth would be like a commando parachuting out of a B-52. I want you to see, watch this scene, and this is what it looks like. A commando falling out of the sky, Jesus entering the wilderness. You guys, you guys may all want to get up and, and want, this scene is incredible. The only way we can watch it, <laughs> look over Jeff's shoulder.
Wow. Use your imagination. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever really thought about what it, it must have been like for Jesus and how that moment of consciousness for Jesus was moving out of heaven, the most beautiful place that you and I could ever imagine, and moving into this world. I mean, the the experience of a fallen world, the 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 the, the sin of the world. And Jesus feels that somehow. I, I don't understand. <clears throat> In the imagery of that uh, uh, commando falling out of the sky, warlike experience. Uh, and then, isn't it wild, the imagery of him falling into the water, it, it makes me think of being in, in Mary's womb and being birthed um, into this world. Um, wow. Jesus from heaven into the wilderness. So this morning, um, let's look at that. I have three questions for you. Pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Um, question number one, how will you celebrate Christmas this year? How will you do it? Now, again, all, all, all that I want to do uh, in that question is invite you into some intentionality and deliberateness. Um, I assume that you'll go to church. I hope you will. You'll be a part of some sort of um, Christmas ceremony, and your pastor is probably doing some sort of series on Advent, uh, that sort of thing. That, that's great. Um, I'm reading through Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, devotional, um, Jesus in the manger uh, right now for, for this uh, season. What are you going to do? And this morning, I, um, I want you to consider three words, and of course, of course, we'll develop this, but in terms of celebrating Christmas, I want you to think of, of the word, uh, three W words, war, or what are you fighting for? And we'll develop that. What are you fighting? Not fighting with, but fighting for. Waiting. That's what the Advent season is about. What, what are you waiting for? And how are you doing that? With a lot of anxiety and medication and drug, sex, and rock and roll? Hopefully not, but knowing how to wait well. And then, and then thirdly, being with. How, how are you doing over over Thanksgiving? We had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you did. Um, spent uh, the week with the girls in Dallas. I read a great book by David Venner on uh, presence, just being present. What does it mean to be with, to truly be present, fully aware, fully present, to where, to where the actual person that you're with feels your presence. I mean, there was a time in, in, in Carl and I's marriage that we had good friends. I've shared this with you before that, uh, that they um, uh, said to Carla, I said, you know, Phil doesn't seem like he's always there. <laughs> kind of hurt my feelings, <laughs> you know, uh, but they were so true because there was a time in my life to where I, I wasn't really aware and wasn't really present. You know, Phil's not really there. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I was so clueless. Well, no, I'm here. But the point is, they didn't feel my presence. I was off, you know, in la la land. So war, waiting, and with. Second question. 
what will help you to overcome the cultural pull of Christmas? Now, um, that my question there assumes that you agree with me that there is a cultural pull of Christmas that doesn't point us toward Jesus. Uh, you know, bright lights and uh, uh, gifts and uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, I mean, so many things going on in our culture to take us away from any kind of focus on the reason for the season. What will you do? And, and, and I would say space and place, space and place would be the two words that I would give you. You got to make space. How are you doing that in your everyday schedule or just daily? You know, just, just a focus. Just, uh, I read uh, uh, somebody sent me an email uh, this week about uh, starting on December 1st, read uh, a chapter a day in Luke. And by the time you get to uh, New, uh, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, you're in Luke chapter 24 and you've walked through the life of Jesus. That's a great way. Space and place. Where do you celebrate Christmas? And then finally, who do you know that's in the wilderness? And we are, are uh, experiencing, we're celebrating uh, Christmas in the wilderness. So um, this morning, um, I'm going to offer you five pictures beyond the one picture that I've already offered you. And, and this is kind of like looking through the album uh, if you will, of Jesus at Christmas. You know, we all we all have uh, through the years uh, Christmas pictures, um, and I want to offer you, um, of course, the picture of of Jesus coming as a commando out of a B fifty two. But five other pictures that I want to offer you as a way to understand the season. So, pictures of Jesus. And then lessons from Jesus' life. So turn over with me uh, before we look at these pictures to John chapter one. Um, you know, the typical passage that we read um, about Christmas is out of Matthew and, and Luke and kind of gives the um, historical um uh, picture of Jesus coming, um, Advent, Incarnation. But I love John chapter 1. Listen to this. The Word was first. The Word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God in readiness for God from day one. The Word, Jesus, of course. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without him. What came into existence was life. Life. And the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. And again, even in that video clip, you know, the, the, the fact that, that, that the picture is at night, and, and, and he is parachuting into the world uh, in the night with guns fly uh, blazing. There once was a man, his name, um, John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. 
And then the full-blown resume of the light, the life light. I love this. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, I love this, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. And that's verse 11, 12 and 11, 11 and 12. And then, then I love this. These are the God begotten, not blood gotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. Blood begotten, I would say, that's like saying, I, I, you know, I'm a child of God because I'm a hardened. You know, my great granddaddy was a, was a believer and my, and my great, uh, and my granddaddy was a believer and my daddy is a believer. And so I'm a hardened. And so my heritage is I'm a believer. And, and he's saying, no, it's not blood begotten. It's not because of your bloodline. Not flesh begotten. It's not like I can, I'm going to clean up my life. I'm going, I'm going to make myself a child of God. No, it's not self-will. And then not self-begotten or in your study Bible, it says um, not because of the will of man. It's not by some authority that some authoritative person, pastor, priest, king, CEO, uh great granddaddy or anybody else can can declare you a believer no it's by faith that's the gospel to to as many as believed put their trust in him to them he gave the right to become children of god so the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood and again, Eugene Peterson's moved into the neighborhood uh, is the phrase in your study Bible dwelt among us. And that, and that word there is tabernacled, that he came and set up his tent, his tabernacle. It was, the, it was the movable temple that God had Moses and the children of Israel build that we've spent so many weeks talking about in the wilderness. And they had the tabernacle. And it's like, you know who the tabernacle is or where the tabernacle, uh, the tabernacle is now is Jesus. Jesus is the tabernacle. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Now, again, uh, Eugene Peterson doesn't do justice to this. Uh, as much as I love my message Bible, because in that phrase, this idea of inside and out, it's the, it's the phrase in your study Bible that says, full of grace and truth. He came full of grace and truth. What does that mean? It means he came with full acceptance. Everybody is accepted, but he came in truth. There's structure, there's boundaries, there's, there's shape to it. It's not like, you know, anything goes and everybody's in and don't worry about it. You know, little baby Jesus, you know, loves everybody and all that. Well, there is grace. It's an open invitation, but there is structure to Jesus. 
He came in grace, accepting, but he came in truth. And what you believe about Jesus is critical. John 1, 1 through 14. So pictures of Jesus. I love looking at pictures. We all love looking at pictures. Everybody takes a picture. Now we've all got cameras uh, right on the ready. You take a picture of anything and everything. You can't do anything without getting a picture made of it. Um, so five pictures that I would offer you. Jesus, he's a king that enters the city. You know, a king enters a city, and man, you want that famous person, that king, literally or figuratively, a, a person that would be of king uh, status. If he enters that whole city, then the whole city's honored. Um, and it's like Jesus came into our country and dwelt in one body amongst the many and in consequence, the design of the enemy against mankind has, has, has been thwarted, been foiled, and the corruption of death, which formerly held him in his power, has simply ceased. King Jesus, as humble as it was, it's like the wise men, the shepherds, the whole city of Bethlehem understood. And even Herod was deeply threatened when he heard um, of the king entering so much so that male babies were going to be killed. But the king entered the city. Wow. A king, King Jesus, didn't come exactly the way we thought a king would come, but that's the picture. And when a king comes, the whole city is influenced. And then Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, in his book uh, that, I'm, that I'm reading, likens Jesus to life in a prison cell. The prison cell, we're all in prison. And Jesus came to set us free. You know, if we're all in prison and somebody hears a voice, okay, you're all free to go home. How does that work? <laughs> if you're in prison and even somebody yells, you can go home. What does it take to get you to, to facilitate you leaving prison? Somebody has got to open that cell because you ain't Otis on Mayberry. You know, you know how Otis did it. You know, Otis just reach over and grab the keys and unlock the door and leave. Well, if you're truly in prison, it takes just one free man to open that cell door. And Jesus enters that prison, and he's the one free man, and he opens the cell door. Thank you, Jesus. He came to set us free. And then another picture is he's the uninvited guest. He just shows up. Christ has come uninvited. His place is with those others for whom there's no room. It's, it's, it's the people that 
you may not even want at your table. His place is with those who do not belong, who are rejected by power because they're regarded as weak, those who are discredited, who are denied the status of persons, tortured, exterminated. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He, he, he became as lowly um, and as uninvited as any uninvited person could imagine to be. It's like, no, uh, I'm too broken. No, that's who Jesus came for. Um, you know, as, as I've said many times before, I, I love our deer camp weekends. And this past deer camp that we had in November, I was, I've told several, I said, I can't remember um, a deer camp that we had as wide a spectrum of guys there. We had uh, older guys, we had younger guys, we had doctors and lawyers and accountants, and we had farmers and landscapers and painters. Uh, and it was just this beautiful representation of just a bunch of guys. And we all had blue jeans and a t-shirt on or a flannel shirt or whatever. And it's just, it didn't really matter. And as we told our story, uh, we're all broken, all broken. Um, the uninvited guest. And then the, and then the other picture um, is, is the second Adam. The first Adam, um, you know, our Bibles and our theology tells us first Adam messed it up. Um, all hell broke loose. And somebody had to come and rescue us. Who could once again have the choice to obey or disobey, but this time get it right? In other words, there had to be a way to go back and rewrite that first chapter of the human story uh, of the fall of man uh, in Genesis. And who did that? Jesus. He's known as the second Adam. He did it right. And then, um, I don't know, I don't know if this is my favorite or not, but it's certainly significant picture of the full humanity of Jesus. Wow. Fully human, born of Mary. Again, what was that like? And here's King Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and somehow in this mysterious incarnational way, he enters the womb. The Holy Spirit conceives Jesus, and he enters the womb of Mary, and he's born of a woman. He is human like all of us. He is human without limitation, not only similar to us, but he's like us. And Hebrews tells us that he, that he understands and has been through everything that we've been through. That, that is hard for me to get my hands around. Jesus in the wilderness, there's nothing that you're going through or that I'm going through that Jesus can't relate to. What, what, what a picture. What a picture. So looking at those uh, pictures, what are, what are we supposed to get from that? I would, I would suggest to you, there's three lessons, three lessons um, relative to just the incarnational message of Jesus, Jesus coming to dwell with us, to, to tabernacle with us. The first, and again, these are the three W's that I mentioned earlier. 
First of all, um, war. Now, guys, I, I, I don't know how to do this justice. I mean, um, I, I don't know how to communicate this well. I, I feel such um, a knot in my stomach on this uh, because this disturbs me and it, and it concerns me in that um, I think we're soft. I think we're really soft. I think that we don't believe that we're in a war. I think in many ways, we generally as a culture, as a Christian culture, as Christian men, we're not willing to fight. We, we want it easy. Um, we're not willing to stand up uh, and, and fight for our wives, fight for our children, uh, fight for our culture, um, uh, fight for uh, our country, fight for a greater cause than us. I think we gravitate toward comfort, uh, self-centeredness, and I just, I just want it easy. But Jesus, the true Christmas story, is humbling and unattractive. It's a sad story about a world terribly broken by sin, populated by self-centered rebels who are willing participants in their own destruction. It's about beings created to live for God, but who in every way live for themselves. This story is about the dethroning of the creator and the enthroning of his creation. It's about conditions so desperate that God did the unthinkable, sending his son to be the sacrificial lamb of redemption. And why did Jesus come? Because we were so lost, so enslaved, so self-deceived, that there simply was no other way. The battle of Christmas isn't about whether we should sing silly seasonal tunes versus gospel carols or have worship times versus big family feasts. No, this war is about what story of identity, need, meaning, and purpose we will believe and give our hearts to pursue. Four, four ideas there. What's your identity? What, how do you identify I want to be a soldier every day. I want to be a soldier. I want to take the most of what God's given me and multiply it. If, if God's given me one, I want, to, I want to make it two. If God's given me two, I want to make it four. If he's given me five, I want to make it ten. I believe that's what we're called to do. My need, I have a great need for intimacy. And if I start finding uh, my need for intimacy met in illegitimate lovers, I'm going to go off track. I want to anchor myself in needing Jesus. Uh, over, over Thanksgiving, I had some neat, neat things. I, I don't have time to go into them, but neat things. I had journaled uh, that day, and as I journaled uh, that day, God was working as if I was writing the script at 6 a.m., and at 3 p.m., that script was being acted out. It, it, was, it was amazing. It was so cool to see God just show up in a very real way. What do you need every morning? God, I, I need a fresh dose of Jesus. I, I need my daily manna. And then this idea of meaning, what, what is the meaning? The meaning of Christmas, the meaning of your life. I think that needs to be rebooted every day, every day. And then purpose, what's, what's the purpose? What you're really focused on. So, guys, we're in a war. 
Our culture is trying to take us out, numb us down. Uh, the enemy will, will, will try to get us to, to believe that he doesn't exist. He is active. You know, uh, you know, think about the Christmas story here for just a minute with me, you know. Think about how uh, intense Herod must have been when he heard about this king, this Jewish king coming, uh, so much so that he ordered that all the male babies would be killed. He's coming. All right. We can kind of get an idea of, of Herod, a king being threatened by the potential uh, dethroning king coming. But take that and, and intensify it more. What do you think Satan must have thought? Oh, my goodness. You know, there's a, there's a little meme um, that I've read. Some of you have probably seen that. You know, it's like, I want to be the kind of guy uh, that that uh, when uh, I get up out of bed, Satan says, oh, no, he's up. You know, and it and it's like when Jesus came, Satan in some kind of way must have said, oh, no. He, he probably says things other stronger than that, but I can't say it here on, on, on tape. It says, oh, no. He's here. War was declared. War was actually declared in Genesis chapter 3, but it was being fulfilled in John chapter 1, Matthew and, and Luke. So second one, let's move on. Um, this idea of waiting, waiting, you know, there's, there's a phrase that we use in our uh, theology called the now, but not yet. And, I, you know, I learned it years ago. And then when I got to seminary at RTS, I learned it a lot more. The now, but not yet. Now we have everything available to us, but not yet. There's a waiting. As much as we know, there's so much more that we don't know. As much as we experience, there's so much more to be experienced. And and, and this idea of Advent is this expectant yearning to, to be with Jesus. And, and it's the discipline of waiting. I mean, part of this season is to be more relaxed and to listen more. I mean, the idea of waiting is to listen. And again, we all enjoy listening to Christmas music. I started playing Christmas music in my office this week, you know, and all my clients are coming in and you know, they love the Christmas music. Tennessee Christmas by Alabama is my favorite. Got to, got to play Tennessee Christmas. Um, but more importantly, just learning how to sit and be quiet. It, it is so sad to me, uh, whether it's me saying it or me hearing somebody else saying it, it's like, you know, I hate Christmas. It's so chaotic and so busy. And, Dude, uh, like, <laughs> are you not in charge of your life? It's like, sit down, shut up, cut the news off, you know, wait. That is what Advent is about. We're waiting, expectant, listening, listening. I, I, I believe Scripture is very, very clear that if we had to reduce walking with God to one word, and you've heard me say this before, one word 
uh, what it means to walk with God is to listen. Just listen. He's always talking. He's always making himself known. He is about revealing. He's not hiding himself. It's just that I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I was talking with Joe earlier about being in a deer stand. I mean, a lot of the uh, of you guys are in deer stands. I, I love sitting in a deer stand except when I'm cold. Um, but, but, you know, just listening. What, what a beautiful time. Just listening. And that's the idea of waiting. Jesus points us toward waiting and being expected. And then the, then the third thing, I would just say that the lesson of Jesus is the idea of with, with, behold, a virgin shall come and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course, Emmanuel from Isaiah seven fourteen means God with us. The word Advent that we're celebrating this time of year literally means the coming or arrival. I want to be with. Um, it's such an important time of year that we're with family, that we're with those that we love, learning how to practice presence, uh, which infers that we're aware of what's going on. We can actually access who we are. I sit with a guy uh this week, um, and and he separated from his wife. And uh, what he said to me about being separated scared me to death. And, and this is what he said. He said, you know, um, I don't know what she wants. I don't know how we got here. I don't know. Dude, that's scary. That's like inviting me to go walking in the woods um, and the last time you went, you got lost. And then I say, okay, so you want me to go walking in the woods with you? What happened the last time you went? Well, I got lost. Okay, let me get this straight. You want me to go walking in the woods with you? Um, and the last time you went, you got lost. Dude, I ain't going. Because not knowing how you got here is scary. And then inviting somebody else to walk with you, it's like, we need to know how to be present, how we got lost, understanding what needs to be changed. I can't keep doing this. I've got to do that, something different. And that's what Jesus did. Look, at, look over with me at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, um, just a beautiful passage of just how Jesus came um, to be with us, to be with. Philippians chapter 2 says this, verse 5, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, right there by the right hand of God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came. It's like, you know, it's like that imagery of the, of the video clip. It's like when the, when, the, when the bay door opened, when the time came, he jumped. He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. I cannot get my mind around that. That, that just blows me away. 
I mean, here is God in all of his powerful presence in heaven, and he comes in the same form that we are. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. Well, yeah, he didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago, dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Um, I just read this morning as I was uh, getting ready to come over uh, a quote by Johnny Erickson uh, Tata. Uh, many of you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. She um, dove into a lake as a, as a uh, young teenager and became a paraplegic. And she's been a, a, such a beautiful spokesman uh, for God and for those uh, who deal with uh, handicaps. And, uh, her quote was, when I get to heaven and I receive my new body, my new legs, the first thing I will do is I will kneel on my new knees and worship the king. Now, if I would have said that, I, I thought when I was reading it is that when she gets her new legs, that she would be running and jumping and enjoying walking. No. That what she would do is take her new legs and her new knees and she would bow and worship the king that she would be with. I trust that this, this season that you will be more intentional and deliberate for fighting for the identity and the needs and the meaning and the purpose of what real life is about. And that you'll get in a quiet place more often, whether it's a deer stand or just, you know, your back porch or your patio or in your office and be quiet and listen more. And then finally, that you will be with those that love you and that you love. And most importantly, you will be with the one who loves you the most. And his name is Jesus. Jesus in the wilderness. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, so much for the imagery, the, just the drama. The, what a creative story that you have given us to awaken our hearts. Thank you for this morning. Um, and may we um, hear you even this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. See you next week.